Thanks for tuning in to the Crew at UGA podcast. We are so glad to have you with us. Crew exists to call students to know God, grow in their faith, and go to the world. If you would like to get more connected with Crew at UGA, or if we can help you in any way at all, go to the show notes, click on the link, or follow us on Instagram at Crew at UGA. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crew at UGA podcast. I'm Kyler, a full-time staff member with Crew, and today Alan and I are here again together to do episode nine. That's right. Episode nine. Welcome to all of our um, burgeoning <laughs> podcast audience, which I have not checked it, but I assume is growing literally yes. by hundreds every week. I can only imagine. I'm sure we're trending <laughs> on something. Right. <laughs> something. <laughs> Man, yeah, it's... Uh, we are we're back again, Here and we are. Uh, we're we are grateful for everyone listening. We're grateful that you're you're following us and and, and keeping up with with crew at UGA, uh, even when we're not in Memorial Hall. Yeah. So today, uh, you know, we told you last week that we are doing a small series, um, and exploring grow and so growing in our faith. And so, like we've said week after week, crew at UGA exists to call students to know God, grow in their faith, and go to the world. And so, starting out this fall. We are going to be focusing in on those three components of our mission statement. So that's that's what we're doing today, the continuing in grow. Yeah, that's right. So this is the second week in grow, second of two. And like we said last week, it's a special angle since so many of our students have heard us talk about this before. We de- decided to talk about the grow part in terms of community, mm-hmm. which is actually a central component to growth as believers because Christianity is a corporate faith, not just an individual philosophy. So... Mm-hmm. We started that last week, and you did that. Right. Talked about Christianity being a corporate faith and why that's important. And this week, we are going to focus on one aspect of God's heart in this, and that is in light of what has been happening in our country with regard to racial tensions, we decided we didn't want to let this go by without speaking to that aspect of community, which is having God's heart towards ethnic diversity. That's right. And, you know, we can't turn a blind eye to that anytime, but especially right now. So... We are going to take time today to think about God's heart in this matter. And to do that, we are just going to dive right in and start by reading a series of passages, which might sound a little strange. We're going to read them one after the other. And on the surface, it might feel like they aren't related, but if you listen closely, they are. Yeah. So how about you do that for us, Kyler? Can you do that? Yeah, I'll do it. So we're going to dive right into looking at four passages. And the first one is Genesis 1. Um, So in Genesis 1... Uh, verses 26 through 28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now Genesis chapter 4, verses 2 through 10. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well... Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, 
but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? Cain said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. So now in the New Testament, this is Matthew 5, 21 through 22. And this is Jesus talking. He says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. And now James chapter 3 verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Right. So there's four passages right there. I know that was a lot of scripture to read and to listen to on a podcast. Hmm. But I think we can kind of hold those in mind. We're going to come back and take a little dive in those in a minute. But here we are. So we're going to talk about perspective on ethnicity this week and also the sin of racism. And how should this play into Christian community? And I probably should say right here at the very beginning, I know it may seem awkward. We have this podcast, and here we are, two white dudes mm. talking about diversity and racism. Right. And that might seem a little bit strange. But we do think it's important to talk about this. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think with that, of just noting that, like I admit I'm very limited uh, on this conversation. And, and my experiences as a white male in America um, aren't the experiences of many of my um, brothers and sisters of color. Right. And so there's so much that for me to learn and for us to learn together um, as we have this conversation and, and grow more in this area. And so, so yeah, there, there it is. Like we do, are not pretending to know everything about this, but yeah. all we want to do is really just look at the word and have an honest conversation about these things. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I do think regardless of who we are and the experiences we have had, we do have a responsibility to add our voice, mm. right? And to see what the Word of God says, to stand up for what's just and what's right. Absolutely. And so we're going to try to do that today, mm. right? So, you know, talking about this, I guess I'll start by saying this. One of the things that I think is very curious about the vast amount of commentary in the U.S. about this topic right now is that I hear a lot of people talk about racism as a what, but not a why. Hmm. But the why is important, and God's Word teaches us the why. Hmm. And the why is clearly bound up in our faith, just like all things in God's universe. And so I don't think you can truly talk about this subject without talking about the Lord at some point. And that's why I just think it is so appropriate for us in this context to be speaking about this because they are bound up. And honestly, I don't think the subject of racism or race relations or diversity truly makes sense without talking about the Lord. Hmm. Now, here's, here's how we're going to do this today. I think this topic speaks in two directions. And what I mean is this. Here's, here's kind of the statement. I think it's the truth of Christianity that teaches us about the evil of racism. But in the other direction, I also think the evil of racism that we see also points us to the truth of Christianity hmm. or the truth of God. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about both of those things, right? Let's start with the first one. 
which is the idea that it's the truth of Christianity that teaches us about the evil of racism. In other words, it's God's word that teaches us that racism is evil. Why is racism evil? So we've spoken about this the past few years in Crew, and we've looked at this from different angles. We've talked about the difference between race and ethnicity. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the glory of God and diversity. We've talked about it from other ways. And if you want to go back and hear some of that, we will put links from a couple of our past talks in the show notes under the podcast on whatever site you're looking at. You can click on those. You can go back and listen to them if you want more. Totally invite you to do that. We're not going to recap and cover that same ground today. Today, I want to talk about the one shaping factor out of several that the Bible talks about, and that is this idea, Imago Dei. Imago Dei. Imago Dei. All right, so what, what, what language is that? <laughs> We're speaking Latin now. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Day. This is one of those moments I want to be a pastor. You know how pastors will be like, everyone say that with me. Right, Imago Day. <laughs> so everyone on the podcast, say it with me. Imago Day. If you're on the treadmill, say it out loud. Imago Day. <laughs> All right, we're having way too much fun with that. So Imago Day. Imago Day is Latin, and it means the image of God. So in the passages that we just read, Genesis 1 introduces this idea when it records God as saying, let us make man in our image. And then it says he created man in his own image. It's it's the image of God. And by man in that, it doesn't mean just men or males. It means all people because the very next sentence says male and female, he created them. In Mm -hmm. other words, God made all people, all mankind, everyone all over the face of the earth, all that would be born, bear the image of God. Right? What he's saying is that each human being is more than just some peculiar arrangement of atoms. We are not just a cosmic accident. We are intentionally made. We bear in each one of us the image of the divine. And because of that, humans have dignity. Mm. And we reflect, in some sense, God's own character and glory. Right. That's who we are. We are spiritual beings. And as such, we have value, each and every one of us. And each individual shares that value equally. Hmm. Okay? So that's the idea of Imago Dei. This really is one of the main underlying reasons why racism is wrong. Hmm. So Tim Keller, who's a pastor in New York, says it this way, It is a sin to violate, in thought, word, or deed, the divine truth that all humans have equal dignity and worth as persons created in the image of God. It is a sin to treat any class or group unequally as being less worthy of respect, love, and protection. Mm. It's a great sentence. So you can see how that's expressed in the rest of the passages we read, right? As early as Genesis 4, we see the first human murder. And God shows how deplorable it is. Abel's blood cries out from Mm. being spilled. There is this terrible injustice, this terrible dissonance from human blood being spilled, it cries out. It's a complete injustice. It's not like killing a lamb to eat it for a meal or just chopping down a tree. There is an appalling evil to it, right? Hmm. In Matthew 5, in the New Testament, Jesus expands on that when he says, you've heard it said that you should not murder. But then he says, even being angry with a fellow human or showing contempt toward that person puts you in the danger of hell. Why? Well, it's because that's a defacing of the image of God in that person, right? And, of course, you really see that clearly in James 3, 9, 
when it, we are instructed that even cursing others should not be. Why? It says it directly. It says it right there in the verse. Why is it so appalling? We should not curse people who, quote, have been made in God's likeness, unquote. You see, the basis for that dignity, the basis for that command to say we should not treat others that way is that they're made in God's likeness. In other words, they have the image of God, the Imago Dei. See, that's the teaching of Scripture when it comes to human dignity. And this is all through the Bible, both Old and New Testament. Okay, So that's kind of why we looked at some of those passages, and we could look at more. But in these passages, what we see is the why. This is how the truth of Christianity points to or points out the sin of racism. The principle is, Contempt and mistreatment of another is an injustice because, one, all humans have the Imago Dei in them, and two, all humans equally have that image of God. So it only follows as we say that we should immediately conclude that of all people, Christians should be on the forefront of this issue. We are those who see the grandeur of the injustice if we are listening to God's word. But of course, sadly... We all know that isn't always the case. We Christians are sinners saved by grace. And we have acted in ways in the past that are evil, and we still do. Mm. I am immensely proud to look back in history and to see Christians like William Wilberforce and Abraham Lincoln and Harriet Tubman and others who were the tip of the spear in ending horrific European and American slave trade. But we also know of many professing believers in history who were slave owners. We know for generations Some church leaders and preachers tried to use the Bible to justify slavery, Mm. looked the other way from racism in their culture. Some even perpetrated lynchings. Mm. And we have records. Each one of us has to look at ourselves for the ways we have knowingly and unknowingly participated and how we have not seen our brothers and sisters who were victims. This is incredibly serious and very, very heavy. That same contradiction is in America's history as a nation, of course. A number of people point out that the principles of democracy were largely a Christian influence from the idea of Imago Dei. No person was greater in value than another just because his father was a king and the others weren't. That was an inequality that we in the grand American experiment rejected from the past. But at the same time, of course, we have to admit, even as it was proclaimed, we the people... We didn't carry that out to the fullest extent. Women Mm. and slaves were not allowed to vote. Blacks were not considered persons. Later, they were just three-fifths of a person. Mm. We, the people, didn't seem to include Native Americans. So all of this, we have to lay eyes on it. What I mean is, is this. Our faith in God teaches us to see and mourn all of these injustices. And, of course, racism is still woven into the fabric of our society, as we see constantly today. I have an African-American friend who's a fellow staff member with us and crew. He actually very courageously told us this story from his own life. One day, he was driving in his car. He pulled over to Parallel Park when all of a sudden another car came racing up and stopped just beside his. And out hopped a white man. He came running up to my friend's window and began yelling at him, accusing him. And basically, he thought my friend looked like a man who had robbed him, and now he was going to make him pay. And even as my friend protested it wasn't true and he'd never seen him before, the man pulled a gun and pressed it to my friend's head. Does that sound familiar? If you're thinking, 
Ahmad Arbery. You're not wrong. Right. It's a little bit of deja vu, right? Man. So my, my friend says he could literally feel the metal pressing into his temple, and it was terrifying. Well, he grabbed the gun, and he wrestled with the man, and the gun cut up his hand. He got blood all over his shirt. But he finally managed to keep the man at bay and get out of the car and call the police. And police came and believed my friend and took the assailant to the police station. But then a couple of days later, when my friend went there to press charges, found the man had been released. And they mumbled something about not having enough cause or reason or something. But you can see the message that sends. What does a white man have to do to be arrested? Evidently, pressing a gun to the head of a black man and threatening to kill him isn't enough. Right? Mm. On the other hand, there's an African-American man who goes to my church who was once caught up in a he-said-he-said dispute over taking some scrap metal, and he was held in a county jail in South Georgia for nine months. Wow. Why do things like this happen? Mm. I mean, they shouldn't. Right. We all bear the Imago Dei, right? This is what the Word is telling us. Christians understand this. And because of that, we should mourn racism in our world. We should be angry over the injustice. We should want to see this changed. Our faith informs us about the sin of racism, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So so do black lives matter? Absolutely. Yes. Mm. Why? Because they bear the Imago Dei. Do all lives matter? Of course. Of course they do. Those two things are not in tension with each other unless you make them be. Because those who say black lives matter aren't saying only black lives matter or black lives matter more than other lives. They're simply saying a segment of our society has been treated unjustly and this should not be, Hmm. right? And I'm not talking about your politics, okay? We have spoken about politics in the past at Crew and how we should think of it as Christians. Uh, If you want to listen to that, we'll put a link to that talk in the show notes as well. And and we're not going to get into that today. What we are trying to talk about here is the heart. What is God's heart toward people of color? What is God's heart toward anyone in any ethnicity? We're talking about how each one of us is commanded to love our brothers and sisters and to respect the image of God in them. Every single human being. Now in racism... The Imago Dei in them is not being respected. And that should make us convicted of our own sin. And it should also make us furious when we see them experience that injustice. Wow, man, that's that's a lot. Um, but I think that's such a great perspective to have as we talk about this. You know, as we discuss why racism is so bad and, and, and just how evil injustice is, I, I think it starts with the belief in the Bible that all men and women, like you said, are created in the image of God. And so I agree. I think it's so important and necessary to have the truth of the Imago Dei be a part of this conversation and the truth of the Imago Dei be a part of how God calls us to grow as a community. Yeah, that's exactly it. And so this whole idea of human dignity, of having community and, and valuing one another is just so important for us within the church. And, you know, right here, even in our own crew ministry, right. we have to be a people that loves well. We have to be mm-hmm. a people that shows human dignity to all, that welcomes all. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. Right. So that's, that's one direction, though, just this whole idea that it is the teaching of God's Word, the truth of Christianity, that really shows us why racism is so evil. That's the why, mm. or at least one of the big reasons. Right. Right. 
Let's talk about the other direction. There's another direction too, though, right? And what I'm saying in this direction is this. It's our innate instinctive knowledge that racism is wrong that should point out the truth of God to us. Wow. Now, that's kind of a weird thing to think about. But, but ask yourself. When I shared the illustration a minute ago, likening a person's murder to being the same as cutting down a tree, how'd that make you feel? I bet some people listening just felt a little twinge of revulsion, that it was just kind of revolting to think about it. But, but really, how can you say that? Okay, I imagine most people listening to this are believers in Jesus, so we have kind of a scripturally informed perspective. But what I'm trying to get at is, is to see something to make a point, right? And here's what I'm saying. Today, so many people don't go far enough in thinking this question through. How many people do you know who feel passionately about racism, but also assent that there is no God and that humanity is just a cosmic accident, or won't even think about it? Hmm. Well, how can that be? If there is no God, and we're all just atoms just being rearranged, what does racism matter? Hmm. What would be the difference between a person being lynched and cutting down a tree to make room for a subdivision, Hmm. if we're all just physical matter? Without God, what does anything matter? So many people who don't believe in God passionately oppose racism on the grounds of injustice and human value without realizing they're actually borrowing from a Judeo-Christian moral view of the world when they do so. That's kind of the point I'm making. You know, I I think you see this all the time. Here's kind of what I mean. Today, you have a lot of people who are believing and saying the right things for the wrong reasons. Right now, There's a great attention on racism in our country, and I, for one, am really thankful for that. Hmm. But much of it seems to me to be driven by pop culture. When I get advert emails from like Chipotle or REI with a big banner across the top saying they stand against racism, that's awesome. But, you know, I doubt it's because all of a sudden all these corporate leaders got woke. It's probably because they feel the wave of pop culture flowing really hard that direction or because they're afraid of being social media shamed. And I'm not picking on those specific companies. I'm just pulling examples out of my head. I see lots of these kinds of things. I think we all do from lots of places. And there are lots of great companies out there that have really been doing great civil rights work for years. And so I'm not trying to paint with a broad brush. My point is this. Right views are often held without really thinking about the foundation of why. Our instinctive understanding that there is something special about a human being should help us to see the truth of God in the universe. See what I'm saying? We know instinctively that we're more than just atoms. We're not just another chunk of physical matter. We're not like rocks. Life does have meaning. Injustice is wrong. We intuitively know all of this. Why? Imago Dei. Right? right, It's the image of God. It's speaking in us. No one talks about that, right? And they just assume we all agree it's true because it is true. But it points to something. It points to the reality of God. A lot of people don't want to think it through that far because they don't want to come face to face with the claim that that would make on their lives. But ultimately, I really don't think you can have a consistent view of the world and be passionately opposing racism without understanding God's reality in our universe. Man, Man, I mean, and and Alan, as you talk about that, just seeing, like, the first point you made of, like, you know, it's Christian thought, it's the idea that that we are creating God's image that informs us about the sin and racism, 
But man, like you just said, like it's the sin of racism that, that points to God, that mm-hmm. points to his design and points to his ultimate justice for people and love mm-hmm. for all people. And so as we consider those two things, right, as we, we hold them both up and look at them and, and, and trust that God's going to do something with them, like what, how should we respond to this? Like what, what's our next step or, or how do we continue thinking about these things rightly? What do yeah. you think? Yeah, you know, that's it's just a, a really hard but necessary question. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just so many different ways that, that we should probably think through that. You know, as, as we've talked about in our series here, if we are really going to live out Christian community, I feel like we have to pay attention to the sin of racism. We can't just skate by this. Mm-hmm. We're never going to have real community as the body of Christ as long as we allow this to divide us. That doesn't mean it's an easy solution. Right. It doesn't mean there's, there's easy answers. It just next week, next week, let's go be different. Right. I mean, it's just so woven into our culture and our history, and we have to let the Word of God just continue to train us in this. And there's, there are so many ramifications of this that exist in our society that are not easy to undo. Mm. But we, we, we can do something. You know, part of this is probably due to awareness. Mm. And so that's something we need to practice better. It is, it is truly seeing your brothers and sisters in Christ who don't look like you that is that awareness, that is that important. If we're going to grow together, we have to ask, what does it take to be truly welcoming community to those in ethnic minorities? And how can we see them? How do we know the experiences they've really had? How do we understand who they are? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a couple of guys here in the, in the majority or the dominant culture, that's just especially important Absolutely. for us to learn. Yeah. And that can feel uncomfortable, takes a lot of work. Um, that means reading books, educating ourselves, maybe watching some hard documentaries. Um, and it, it it means not just expecting people of color to bear the responsibility of explaining everything to us. Don't mm-hmm. do that to your, your friends of color. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily need them to teach us everything. We can go out and, and read. We can listen. Mm-hmm. We can research. We can teach ourselves some things without placing that burden on their shoulders. Now, it does mean listening to people's stories, right. which are often painful, mm. and honoring that pain when one of our friends, when another person of color would be so willing to tell us. Um, I think another way is it means releasing power for those of us in the dominant culture. You know, there are always power dynamics at work in any interplay between minorities and majorities. And if you're in the majority or dominant culture, I mean, we have to ask, are you willing to let go of the way you are used to things being done? Um, there's, there's a lot of subtleties in that that we just kind of take for granted. But to pay attention to that power dynamic and to release, really important. So there's a lot to talk about here. Absolutely. Um, there's just a lot of different ways to, to go about doing this. And so over time... We're going to be talking about this in crew. Mm. Um, in some of the small groups, we're going to be studying some lessons on social justice. What does the word have to say about this? What are different perspectives and how we can do this? This is going to be an ongoing conversation. It's not like we're just going to give, hey, here's three application points. I want you to do these next week. Right. But it's just going to be an ongoing growth that we are going to need to continue doing. I feel like we've already been on that road some. We're going to continue on that road. And Kyler, I know you're the the same as me, that, that you would clearly say, 
I need that growth as much as anybody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so um, hopefully this message will just kind of call us to that and keep going that direction. Right. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. And, and especially as we think about this in, in line with growth, like this is a part, we believe that this is a part of growing in our faith, growing to be more like God has called us mm-hmm. to be as men and women. And that is, that's looking, looking at these things and learning, learning from others and, and doing the work to engage in these things. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, but it's worth it. And it's what God calls us to right. as believers. Right. So Alan, thank you. Thank you for leading me, leading our team, and really leading Career at UGA in these conversations and in these areas of growth for us. Now, if you're listening and you want to maybe talk more about this, we would love to have that conversation with you. So if you will fill out the survey in the show notes, we will be in touch with you as soon as we can. Thanks again for listening.